Emily O'Brien is making the comeback she always dreamed about. I use my creativity for good to make an impact, and it's the most empowering way I've ever lived. Two years ago, the Hamilton woman started her own business, selling popcorn served up by former inmates just like her. Comeback Snacks was started inside federal prisons to help share my story of how this happened so that it wouldn't happen to other girls. That story goes back to 2015 when O'Brien was arrested at Pearson Airport. She and her then-boyfriend returned from a vacation with drugs strapped to their bodies. The popcorn business began behind bars and today is thriving, even through the pandemic. We had a product that people really liked and we also had a message that we could share to help others get through this difficult time. People that have been through the been been through the struggles, been through the justice system, and showing their resilience and their striving for to better themselves is very inspirational. Knowing how difficult it can be for those who have had conflict with the law to find gainful employment, O'Brien is giving a portion of her sales to the Young Street Missions Hope Program. We're donating five five dollars of every Hope for the Holidays box. They just do fabulous work helping people that are on parole or probation stay on the right track. Anytime we could get donations and support, we feel blessed. People, you know, they want to know that they, people care for them, people recognize their struggles and really want to help them and see them succeed. A tasty gift helping others find their dream. Hope is about comeback. Comeback Snacks is about comeback, you know, so it's just an awesome collaboration. They really, really need our help and you have to send help for the holidays. Lindsay Morrison, CTV News. Super Bowl popcorn. My name is Emily O'Brien. I grew up in Hamilton, Ontario. I own a company called Comeback Snacks, and I'm a philanthropist and a former convict. When I moved to Toronto and I started my first company, which was a social media business, the party scene there was a lot more hard. Over time, my substance use got more and more out of control. I loved the feeling. I loved being social. I loved it. Our apartment looked like an obstacle course, like it was just out of control. We would have strangers in our apartment making crafts. So some nights I'd get drunk and find out the next day I'd be going to like Miami. I would go to Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam. Pretty soon my, I start to rack up credit card bills and things started to continue to go downhill. So one day I got a direct message on Instagram and they really wanted help building their social media presence. Really, really nice guy, really funny. He started buying me gifts that I never really asked for, like a TV. He bought me a watch that had no battery in it. He brought me over dessert wine, like disgusting. He also sold cars on the side and he's like, baby, you know what? I really wanted to get you this car. I'll split the cost with you. You hook me 10 grand and I'll pay for the other half. I was like, okay, cool. Sounds good. Pretty nice BMW. One day he comes over to my apartment. He's like, I got to talk to you about something. I'm like, okay, it's kind of weird, but whatever. Comes over and he's like, I want to take you on a trip. I know you've been going through a lot and it's just something I want to do. But there's just one thing I have to do when I'm down there. I was like, what is that? Well, I have to bring some drugs back. I was like, okay, absolutely not. He left embarrassed and I'm like, okay, see you later. I go out with my friends that night. I get a text from him. I felt so stupid after I asked you that. Let's just go on this trip, me and you, there'll be no funny business, nothing at all. Let me know when you get home and we'll book the tickets. My mind was in a good place. We had a lot of fun the first couple days. The sun was out and the water was warm. And he's like, okay, well, you're not going anywhere today. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's like, our friends are coming to pick us up. Did you really think this was just like all fun and games? And then we pull into somewhere that, um, it looks like it's like a hotel, like a small, small hotel, like a bed and breakfast or something like that. Everything's normal except for the walls have bricks and bricks of cocaine layered up. And it was the most amount of cocaine I'd ever seen in my entire life. 
PD looks at me and he's like, I'm so sorry, but like, I need your help with this. And there's a woman there and she's very, very nice to me. And she takes my measurements and then she tells me, we're gonna go shopping. She tells me, pick out one dress and I'm gonna pick out two and we're gonna buy the dress that I pick. One is the dress that I'm going to be wearing, which is a long floral gown. It's got blue flowers with white kind of pattern. And then I look beside it and there are two pairs, one for him and one for me. And it's like a pair of spandex boxer shorts. And in the front of the boxer shorts, there's a kangaroo pouch for one kilo of cocaine. And in the back, there's another little kangaroo pouch for another kilo of cocaine. And I put on the dress. I feel like I have a box of Kleenex stuffed under my dress. This was not fooling anyone. Then they dropped us off right at the airport. Going into an airport with two kilograms of cocaine strapped to your body and trying to hide it like nothing's wrong is not an easy job. I'm not gonna be able to look at a customs officer in the face and lie about this. And just as I'm, you know, not making a run for it, but at least going to go take them off my body, he's like, nope, it's too late now. And at this point I was like, I'm gonna do my best but if we get busted, this is on you. We just have to go through one last corridor and you have to show them your customs card. And he looks at ours and he's like, you guys gotta go into secondary. They immediately separated us. You know, they send him to the left and I'm to the right. And the officer starts asking me pretty normal questions. What I do for work, where I'm from. I do, you know, social media, I'm from Hamilton. And then he's like, so Miss O'Brien, we just have to ask, do you have drugs on you right now? Looked at the floor for so long, trying to decide what to say. And he had to ask me again. He's like, Miss O'Brien, do you have drugs on you? And I looked at him, looked up at him straight in the eye, and I said yes. And then I was picked up by the RCMP, processed again, and then taken to the local jail. So I was finally sentenced on January 16th, 2018. A couple months in, we were actually having a Super Bowl party, and I managed to get to know quite a few of the women, and I really saw a lot of strength in them and a desire to do better, a desire to see their families again. And I generally saw good and I really wanted to figure out a way to share other people's stories, not just my own, but to share other people's stories, to help other people understand how we end up in these situations. So during the Super Bowl party, which was pop and chips and popcorn, someone put lemon, pepper and dill on their popcorn. And I was like, holy crap, this is so good. After Super Bowl, I knew it was time to get to work. But it was gonna be a little bit different. I didn't have internet access, I didn't have a cell phone. I had some stamps and I had a lot of friends and support and I knew that we could build something that really, really mattered. But I had to work on the recipes. We didn't have access to a lot of things. So every night I would kind of tool around with different ingredients. One of the original um, prison recipes was called Jailhouse Cheese and we would actually get macaroni cheese and take out the cheese powder from it and put it on. We also would put Splenda and cinnamon. That was a very popular one in order to reach out to certain people in the community. I did homework for them so they could buy me stamps. I called people, I read tons of books. I made friends with some of the correctional officers and staff and talked to them about it and kind of got them on my side. So when it was time to leave prison, I knew I was ready. I had a business plan, I had the support in place. Most importantly, I had my drive and my confidence back. And I knew that no alcohol or drugs was gonna get in the way ever again. Since coming out of prison, we've come so far. We have a staff of three right now, and I also work with other businesses to incorporate better policies into their hiring practices because we have to give others a second chance. What good is it for anyone if we put people in prison and don't give them jobs? It just doesn't make sense. People that break the law and get themselves in trouble are not bad people. They actually have a lot of talents, a lot of skills, 
they just use them in the wrong way. I also learned that forgiveness is important when it comes to building our circles and understanding why people do the things that we do. I'm really proud to say that I'm now lawfully rebellious, I use my creativity for good, and that we can all make a comeback, but we just have to try.